The biggest thing that I think about is Ramit Sethi's quote, and it says, spend extravagantly on the things that you love and cut costs mercilessly on the things that you don't. Welcome to A Step Forward, a podcast for ambitious VI specialists who are challenging the status quo. I am Cassie Maloney, your new work bestie. With over 15 years of experience as an O&M specialist, author, professional development junkie, mom, and owner of Allied Independence, I have been through the ringer. And now I'm here to bring you a boost of inspiration, information, and our favorite innovation as we trade feeling overwhelmed for overjoyed while we create a significant impact in the lives of our learners and still lead more balanced, fulfilling lives. So grab your favorite beverage because we're about to take a step forward. Can we get a movie? My significant other said as we walked past the red box on the way out of the grocery store. But we just had to dip into savings for groceries again. How did I get here? I thought. I used to be the girl who saved half of her teacher paycheck every month. And now I'm having to tell somebody no that they can't get a dollar movie because we couldn't even afford groceries. I wish I could tell you that this topic was going to be easy for me to talk about. I wish I could even tell you it was my idea. It was not. One of my team members brought it up and said that I could be some inspiration for you. And I'm dreading this conversation. I don't feel like a money expert. I used to be a great saver and then I got married. And then I had two kids in 19 months as a teacher, as a breadwinner. And now I'm a single mom with two kids. I don't feel like the person to give advice. And so I'm not going to give you advice. I'm going to share with you my struggles and I am going to puke because this is going to be a huge vulnerability hangover. I'm also going to share with you what I've learned from my investment coach and maybe help you set yourself up for success or maybe just help you not feel so alone. I've gone from being someone who bought a car in cash, bought a house and took her little sister to Fiji in the same year to being someone who put two kids under two in daycare as the breadwinner teacher to now being a single mom in a high cost of living area who has a really good relationship with money. I've been through the ringer and I know as teachers, money can be really hard for us to talk about. And I want to shed some light for you. But before we go any further, I want to warn you, I'm going to be very honest. I'm going to be very open in ways that you don't know me yet. And so if you stick around, know that you're coming into my inner world. This is really stuff that I don't post about on social. I really only talk about with my close friends. I'm not going to hold anything back on what I've learned about budgeting or how I've learned it. And the information might surprise you. By the end of this podcast episode, my hope is that you walk away with a better understanding of money and how to expand it in your own life so you can be more powerful and in control. So let's go back. Back to the days when I could eat all organic everything from Whole Foods. Back to the days when I would talk to the butchers and they told me stories about the chickens and the farms that they were raised on that I was purchasing and I just felt so alive and lovely. Yeah, I was that girl. And while I'm not that girl anymore, it's simply because my priorities have changed. Granted, I don't eat organic chicken from Whole Foods, but I have a really fun, exciting life. I don't make much more money than you do. And I can provide everything that I 
need for myself and my kiddos because I stay focused and because I've learned quite a few things. For many years after I got married, it felt like my income was choking me. But when I look back at it, it was really because we were spending money on things that I didn't value. Things that didn't add back into my life. Coupled with the plain fact that we just didn't make enough money to cover our bills. And we were two people with completely different spending habits. And let me tell you, it was a hot mess express in our bank account. So what changed? And what do I do now? Well, first, I'm not married, so I don't have to deal with anybody else. And I have zero <laughs> expertise on how to handle money stuff from a married point of view, because I did not do it very well. But as a person on my own, I can tell you what I did do. And I was reminded of this recently by my financial coach, Elizabeth Ralph. Go follow her on Instagram. She is absolutely amazing. I was complaining that at the end of every month, I didn't have enough money to put into my investment accounts. And her answer was just very simple. Make more money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's not so easy as a teacher, right? Your paycheck is your paycheck is your paycheck. And it's not going to go up until the day that you die. I remember looking at my pay scale when my little sister, who is eight years younger than me, entered the workforce. Okay. As a first year nurse, she was making more than I would make after 30 years. Yikes, right? The hard truth is teaching is a female profession and was for the longest time the quote unquote extra income of the family. But that's not the case these days. You know how a lot of corporate people get into their jobs and say that they do it for the lifestyle? I think that's the same with teaching. And while our values are different, we value our free time a lot. And people in corporate value things or vacations or expensive stuff. And so we're willing to do what it takes in order to live the lifestyle that we want. Now, we can all choose to get jobs in corporate America. We can wear stilettos and pencil skirts or suits into dark fluorescent lit offices only to stare at a computer all day and wonder if our true purpose in life is actually being filled out. And we could do that day in and day out only to wait for our two-week vacation every year. And that's our choice. You are a grown adult. You can get into a corporate position any day that you choose. No one made you sign your contract this year. By staying in education, I think that we choose to live a fuller lifestyle, one where we get our weekends off, one where we can have our summers off or part of our summers off or extra vacations, one where we can spend time with our kids, one where we get more Mondays off than we can count, where we know day in and day out that we are making a difference in the world. Now, that is a life I can get behind, even when that life gets expensive. We all have a relationship with money. We all have money trauma as well as money successes, memories of highs and lows. And that's because money is energy. It doesn't prove your worth by any means, but it is energy. And energetically, if you want to have more of it, you need to step into the person who has more of it. And I don't mean to do that by spending more. I mean to do that by valuing your energy, valuing your time. Think about it. If there's a change that you want to make, the most impactful way to make that change is to make decisions from the person who has already successfully made that change. That version of yourself knows what to do. Okay, for example, right? If you want to lose weight, but you've never worked out, you don't know what macros are, and you've been living off of fat-free chips and Diet Coke since the 90s, which I don't blame you. It was a great fad. But where do you even start? You can write a nutrition plan. You can write a workout plan. And you can have that plan and you need it. But who actually makes the changes, how those changes actually occur, are from the person who has already made those changes. What does the person who has already lost weight do? 
they probably got up early to work out. They probably brought a protein shake to the staff party so that they weren't tempted with the cookies. They probably took the stairs instead of the elevator. They probably brought an apple for lunch instead of french fries. They probably went past McDonald's and did not stop. Those are the things. Those are the tiny moments, the habit that you can also get into with money. And just like when you're losing weight, one day you're going to show up at a staff party and you're going to have forgotten your protein shake. That's okay. Every single time that you can step further and further into that version of yourself, the more weight you lose. So it's the same with money. The more that you can step into the version of yourself that has money, the better. The plan is just the guide. It's how you show up energetically that will help you actually achieve your goals. So first and foremost, what I did was I had to think about my money goals. Do you want to make more money? Do you want to become a better budgeter? Do you want to start investing? What is it? And what is your why behind those goals? Ramit Sethi says that 80% of the solution is getting started. That's more important than becoming the expert. So think about it like this. It's our responsibility to become as wealthy as humanly possible. Who has the power? Who has the control? It's definitely not the poor or the sick. It's the wealthy. And while we may not be on a fast track to becoming millionaires, unless you have some sort of teaching degree that I don't know about, we owe it to ourselves to start paying attention to these things so that way we can build our own wealth, whatever that looks like for us. Because money is not scarce. I know your admins want to tell you that money's scarce and that we're on a budget and blah, blah, blah. But let me tell you, the higher up you go, the less money is scarce. It's only scarce at our level. There are 1,700 new millionaires in America every single day. Don't tell me that money's scarce. Like, just think about the eyelash extension market. That's a $1.36 billion market. There are enough women in the world who have $100 to $200 to spend and two hours in a chair every two weeks. And from my understanding, you also can't shower for 24 hours after. I mean, that's a lot of extra time and money. It's out there. And that's just one example. There's no reason that you can't have that life too if you want it. Now, for those of you guys who egos are grumbling and telling me that you can't for whatever reason, here's where I want you to keep listening. My financial coach calls it becoming a money conduit. You aren't just attracting money to you. You're attracting money to you and amplifying it by how you spend it and how you view your relationship with money. Yes, I am getting into manifestation. I'm getting into woo-woo. And no, we're not just going to sit on our pretty little selves and dream about the money that we want and it's going to come to us. That's not how it goes. But here is exactly step-by-step how it can go for you and how I've been able to amplify my money and create a sense of ease and power within my relationship with money. Here's Elizabeth Ralph on her Instagram, just so you can get a good view of how she talks. There's three levers that you guys can pull when it comes to money. And this is basically the spiritual investor program. Your three levers are cost of living, income, and investing. And those are the ones that you're constantly up, down, monitoring. They all tie together. The glue that holds this together is the daily practices, the money practices. It's you stepping into this new version of you. And it is you applying action steps in the 3D world because we're pulling the information and the power from the quantum field. But it's our job. We're translators. We're translating mechanisms. And it's our job to translate it into the 3D world. You could be pulling a lot of power in, but are you really translating it into the 3D world in that translation that is money? That is where we see it's almost like standing on the water goes. That's where the break in energy is.
Okay, so step one, you're going to write down your goals. You can use online calculators or join an investment program to figure out exactly what your numbers are and what they need to look like. I'm not that person to help you do that. I'll link to the investment program that I'm in at the bottom of the show notes. This is she's not telling me to do this. I just want to be 100% honest with you. I didn't know how to do this myself. I became my own financial planner. And with this investment program, it does combine 5D work. It combines spirituality. It combines Kundalini with money and real-time investing. It's really cool. Actually, it's really cool. So I'm not your investment expert or your financial expert, but I am your friend who's filling her tea. First, get very clear on your numbers and have your goals. But here's the thing. I don't want you to get stuck right there. I got stuck there for a year and a half. Don't get stuck right there because for me, and if this happens to you, the amount of money that I need to be saving for retirement for me to be able to retire, I'm a sixth of the way there. And that feels really daunting for me. And that's okay. Knowing your numbers makes you more powerful. Number two, don't believe the lies. There's a word lie in the word believe. And I think that that's really powerful. There's a lot of rhetoric around money for teachers and there's a lot of indoctrination. And we're supposed to say things like, we don't do it for the money. Most of us believe that people who make a lot of money are bad people. Or if you ask to be paid for extra job duties that you're asked to take on, that you're a bad person. And we all have lies that we believe around money, things that are not true. This lie is so prevalent in our schools. Listen, I was once called into a staff meeting with a... with our whole department for them to like publicly tell everybody that we need to take on extra roles and responsibilities and they weren't going to pay us. And that was just part of our job. It was not a fun time for me because I knew that I was getting called into that meeting because I had been asked to be paid for the work that I was doing and they had refused. So everybody has their own beliefs and they're all indoctrinated into us. They're not your fault. Here's what you can do. First, take out a sheet of paper. On the left side, you're going to write down your beliefs around money. One line per belief or thing that you hear people say. And be very, very honest with yourself. Then on the right side, look at how that belief has shaped your actions. Did you forget to ask for your stipend after hosting the goalball tournament? Did you agree to work the school play for free even though they paid an outside consultant thousands of dollars? Did you happen to not check your bank account on a regular basis because you were ashamed that you would overspend? Here's one that I do all the time. And I have this thought that's killing my budget. It's that denying myself, especially in social situations, and not giving myself what I want is proof that I'm broke and unworthy. So what do I do? I buy the thing. And then what? I'm broke and I feel unworthy. And I go over my budget. And that doesn't feel good. I just did this a few weeks ago with this dress at Goodwill. And at Goodwill, oh my god, I thought this dress was so pretty. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have this. I knew I was going over budget. It was like $6, right? So I said, okay, it's $6 over budget. That's fine. I had the kids with me, so I didn't even try it on because they were getting ornery. I get home and I hate this dress. You guys, it is metallic. It is purple. It has a 90s style halter. Like, have you ever seen me wear metallic or purple? No. So now that you're being honest with yourself, the work here is to start clearing the shame. Take a screenshot of this episode and come back to it when you're ready. I want you to actually do this work and come back refreshed with a good mindset. Okay. For those of you guys who have left or and have come back, or maybe you are just rolling on through and you're going to come back to this later, we're going to keep rolling. It's time to dig up our sleeves and actually get to work. 
What is money trauma? It is something that you feel in your body, some people say a trigger, and it is the result of something that happened to you in your past. These feelings automatically delivered to us whenever we get into a situation that sort of brings something up like that. What's happening is in your mind, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why am I feeling that way? Clearly I'm not nine anymore. You're actually identifying with the person that it happened to, and that is part of what we have to realize. The universe is actually giving you that money trauma as a gift. It's like holding up a sign saying, this is evidence that you are operating as the old version of you. So what do you get to do? Step back and go, huh, I haven't been kicked out on the street yet. I haven't died. If you were to get that same situation now that caused the money trauma earlier in your life, it likely wouldn't even be relevant to you. Number three is to be honest. Do you actually need to make more money? If you are not making enough money to meet your needs, it is your responsibility to make more money. Nobody is going to do it for you. And luckily, your day probably ends around four and you probably can make time. Look, and I don't mean to be like rude about this, but if I can write a book, run an online yoga business with a toddler and be pregnant with my second kid and do all of that while being the primary parent, you can too. Now, I'm not saying I was bringing big bucks. Uh, by any means, but you can Uber, you can deliver pizza, you can do gig work, you can Rover, you can sell shirts on Etsy. There are so many other ways to make money. Money is out there, but we have to be open to the possibility. And sometimes that means being open to doing more work. The thing here is that we get so stuck on, I don't have enough money to do this. I don't have enough money to do that, that we cut ourselves off from being the best person that we possibly can be when the things that we cut ourselves off from are in our better good. I'm not saying to go to McDonald's and buy a bunch of cheeseburgers, but I am saying that if you don't have enough money to invest in yourself, invest in healthy foods, professional development, new books, things that actually move you forward, then maybe it's a time to actually look at how you're spending your money. And if you can make a plan to build more wealth, whether that's making more money or spending it in a better way. Are you really going to be the money conduit if you're like eating top ramen and just focusing on your debt? No, you're not. How do we pay off debt, but then we also are the money conduit in an even bigger way than we ever have been before? You have to start seeing debt as part of your journey and not seeing it as the positive or negative. It's ones and zeros. You got a game plan about debt, then what's going to happen is you've got a game plan about investing. You've got a game plan about the college account. You've got a game plan about your money. What you want to do is you want to create these beautiful practices for each section of your life that has to do with money. And we can only do this, by the way, when we bring money in closer. And we can only bring money in closer when we break that connection of fear. The fear is simply you recreating the past over and over and over again. The breaking structure is the self I know now can never even feel fear about money because it's not relevant. That was another clip from Elizabeth Ralph, my financial coach. So tangible step number four, we've already figured out our goals. We've figured out our why, and we've figured out the lies that we've been telling ourselves. So we can start with the mental aspect of it. Now we really want to create a wealth 
building plan. Some people call this budgeting. Some people think the word budgeting is like another four letter word or a bad word, or they get really scared with the word budgeting. I don't really care what words you use. The thing here is that in order for us to know where our money is going, we have to build a plan. We have to know, we have to decide ahead of time where we're going to spend that money. One thing that tripped me up in the beginning was thinking that I was going to know exactly where I was going to spend all my money at the beginning of the month when my check dropped and then not reconciling it. So this is really, really, really where things changed for me. When I invested in myself and really learning how to manage my wealth, that's when I started to take the first step towards becoming a money conduit. I personally invested in Elizabeth's investing program, but you don't need to do that. You can figure out a budget that works for you. You can read books or go online or figure out where your money should go. I can't tell you how to structure your budget, but what I can tell you is how I structure my budget and what has really worked for me, given the fact that oh, I'm not a millionaire. I, I'm just a single mom, a single mom teaching and running this organization. Here's how I do it. The biggest thing that I think about is Ramit Sethi's quote, and it says, spend extravagantly on the things that you love and cut costs mercilessly on the things that you don't. Again, let me say that one more time. Spend extravagantly on the things that you love and cut costs mercilessly on the things that you don't. That's from his book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, which I have not read. I also haven't watched the Netflix show, even though my ex has and keeps telling me that I would love it. I might. What I see happen all the time is that people choose to forego investing in themselves and then they end up spending more money in the form of time than they would have if they invested in themselves in the first place. So like, let's say just a prime example, there was a way that you could learn a new skill or get a lesson plan for something and you chose not to pay for it, but then you end up spending, let's say even like three hours searching for the information. That's over a hundred dollars that you just spent. Which one would have been better to spend the money or to spend the time? Typically, again, we find money to be scarce and that's just a lie. It's not, but we're so indoctrinated in these beliefs that we don't think about the fact that our time and our energy is money. So I like to spend money only on the things that add value or time to my life. And it's not much. I spend money on the gym and health healthy foods. I don't go to an expensive gym. It's $11 a month. My healthy foods are well within budget. I also spend money on family, like experiences with my kids and my home. Again, I don't go extravagant with most of these things, but I want my kids to feel safe. I want our home to like look nice and I want them to have a really fun life. The fun area that I spend money in is really one area for me and that is dance. And I will spend money on dance classes and I will spend money on going to a dance festival, which I'm going to. So excited. And the big area that I spend a lot of money is creating a greater impact because to me, that's worth it. I don't know all the answers to business. I don't know all the answers to investing. I have not been in those fields. I don't have a master's degree in them. So I spend a lot of money on business classes and I spend a lot of money on professional development. And ultimately, I spend money on things that are going to create a greater impact because that is what matters to me. Now you can figure out what matters to you. I can't figure that out for you, but I would much rather pay somebody to tell me what to do 
rather than me having to figure it out on my own. Because running a business, especially when you're going from scratch, I'm not a business person. It's really hard. And I make a lot of mistakes on the daily. I'm sure you see a lot of mistakes that I make. And so I need to spend money instead of spending my time, which is ultimately me spending my money. But here's a short list of the things that I don't do. So I do spend money on things like healthy food, dance, experiences with my kids, but there's a lot that I don't do. I don't go out to eat. I don't buy pre-made meals. I don't even have a Prime account. I don't go out drinking. I don't go on fancy vacations yet. And I don't spend more than I have. So in order to track my money, I have a yearly budget broken down into categories on a spreadsheet, but then I also use Mint as my like weekly tracker. And I'll, I'll show you in a second what makes my budgeting time a positive experience. Because that's really what we want to do. You're going to have to budget your money anyway. You might as well have fun while you're doing it. Now, as far as which software, if you should have a spreadsheet, again, I don't know that for you. Mint works really well for me. I like the fact that it's free for one. And I've tried other things and other ones that are more complicated and ones that you have to pay for. And I broke them all. It was really hard for me to figure them out. And ultimately, because I use a credit card for all of my purchases, I use Mint because it's easier. That's it. Okay, so the fifth and final step of what I've done to have a better relationship with money is I've focused on becoming that money conduit that Elizabeth talks about. How do you do this day in and day out? This is where your limiting beliefs come into play. This is where stepping into that better version of yourself comes into play. Like day in and day out, what would the conscious millionaire version of yourself do? Would they overspend on that $6 dress even though it was out of budget? Or would they, you know, at least try it on? <laughs> or would they keep overspending. I had to rebuild my relationship with money from the ground up. And during a recent psilocybin trip, one of the biggest teachings that I came across and I didn't expect to was around money and was around my relationship with money. And since I'm a parent, it related it to me as this, that the best way to have a relationship with money and to grow your money is to basically be calm no matter what money does, to treat it like it's a toddler. And Elizabeth talks about money neutrality. And that is, I was always been like, I don't feel neutral. Like when my AC break on Memorial Day in Texas, I don't feel neutral about this. That's 10 grand. What are you talking about? How do you feel neutral about it? Or how do you not feel excited when you break an income goal or when like something big and exciting happens? How do you stay neutral? So the way that my brain brought it to me, and maybe you can relate to this too, is if you have a relationship with money, and the best thing to do is to stay calm and raise it like it's a toddler. So you need to feed it. You need to go out and make money, right? You need to restrict it, put guidelines around it, which is your budget. And when it throws a fit in the grocery store floor, the best thing to do is just to stay calm. Just like with your toddler, if you get all up in arms and your toddler's up in arms, not good, not good. But if you can stay calm throughout that experience, no matter how you feel inside while your kid is throwing a fit on the floor of the grocery store, then you have much more power over that situation. You can make better decisions. Doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Doesn't mean you want it to be happening. Just means you can make better decisions. And then also on the flip side, when your kid stops and stares at a rock for 20 minutes because they've never seen that kind of rock and it's so enthralling and you want to take that excitement in, you can stay calm and take that excitement in instead of like throwing a party for the rock. You know what I mean? 
just trying to find a neutral place, a calm place to where you can allow money to come in and you can allow money to go out as it needs to because you have a plan and because you keep feeding it and because you give it guidelines and you're parenting your money. That's how it worked for me. I don't know if it's going to work for you, but it has really been profound. So here's what I've done. First, I, this is so woo-woo, okay? I'm being so vulnerable right now. I created a conscious millionaire vision board with goals for myself for one year, five years, and 10 years at the time. And then I figured out, okay, if I can bring in X amount of money, then this is how much money I get to invest in my retirement and my kids' savings accounts. And then this is how much money we're going to give back to charity. And then each incremental time, then it, you know, a little bit more. And really, I think that's a big part of my why is I want to be able to give back and I want safety and security for my kids. And I want to be able to give them a 529 plan. And I want to be able to do all these things for them. And I would want retirement for myself as well, because I'm not always going to be able to work. And so having that on like a vision board, that's very specific and it's in my closet. So nobody sees it. It's not like displaying it out for everybody who comes into my house. But then I can say, okay, this is how much money, if I make this much money that year, I get to give this much money back in charity. And that makes me feel really good. And that right there is a huge driver for me. The second thing that I've done is setting up automated payments um, and automated investments. And that was brand new. That was like last week. Okay. I couldn't, I did not know that that existed in my investment account. I know, I know. This is why I said I was not the expert, but I found the button. It was magically there exactly when I needed it. And I I'm really grateful for it. If you have a W-2, you may or may not need to worry about that. But if you don't, if you're contract like me, you have to be putting in towards retirement. It's so easy to let your bills, especially right now, pile up and get bigger than you're you know, saving for the future. Um, you can also set up things like text messages from your bank account with your balances every day. I pay everything with a credit card. So it works. It doesn't work. It doesn't. It's neither here nor there at that point. And one of the biggest, biggest, biggest things that I've done for myself is the coolest and I love it. And I will shout this from the rooftops is that I do what I call money, honey, date with myself. Now, the point here is to take yourself on a date and spend time working on your money. Now, some people like to go out to eat. Some people like to go to a bookstore. Some people like to take themselves to a fancy coffee shop, whatever works for you. I really love to do a face mask and, or maybe like put my hair in a hair wrap, you know, do that extra like hair mask thing. And I have a yummy extra cup of coffee and I turn all the lights in my living room pink, even though it's sunny outside. So it shouldn't matter, but it's my jam. And I sit down every Sunday and I spend time looking at my money. And every week there are different tasks to do depending upon where we are in the month. Sometimes I'm always reconciling my money, but then sometimes I might need to like, that's the time where I pay bills. That's the time where I catch up on things. And so I always know where my money is going, where we are with our goals and whatnot. And it's pretty easy if I miss a Sunday, like last Sunday I was working, I was recording podcasts. Um, I can roll that into a weeknight pretty easily and it's still like a self-care time. But one thing that I really like about the idea of doing self-care or taking yourself on a date is that it habit stacks and it's like treating yourself. So if you don't know what habit stacking is, James Clear 
chapter from his book, Atomic Habits, he talks about stacking two habits and putting them together basically. So that way you have better chance of actually getting it done. Something that you will already do. And then something that's going to like something that you already do that drives the new habit. So you stack the new habit on top of the one that you already have. For me, it was more about just like changing the vibe. I don't want to just sit down and do budgeting, but do I want to do a face mask and like pretend I'm a millionaire and do budgeting from that headspace? Yes, I do. Is my coffee even more delicious that time? For some reason, yes, it is. Don't ask. I don't know. I don't even put sugar in it. So I don't even know. And I like to sit down and do all that and future journal, just get into the headspace and the mind space of the person that I want to be. And then I do my budgeting. And honestly, it's something that I look forward to and I love it. So it's next for me, honestly, continuing to work on my relationship with money on a daily basis and starting the cycle over. I'm not where I want to be with investing my money or my kids' 529 accounts or their investment accounts and my retirement specifically. And so I need to figure out a way to be a single mom living in this high cost of living area and be able to invest as much money as I need to invest in order to be able to retire. And that is really exciting. Like before it would be like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? But now I look at it as like a game, like, wow, what can I manifest? What can I bring to me? Or do I need to raise my prices for my contracting? Or how can I maybe set my kids up for after school so that way I don't have to be here every day so that I can take on more students? Things of that nature, like just thinking about it in an excited way, that is really cool and really great. So you've listened to me talk for quite a while now. What are some of your money goals? And if you've ever felt like you've been held back by money, what are some steps that you can take at taking a step forward towards achieving your financial goals? Because remember, money is not scarce. It is everywhere. We just have to become the type of people that allow it into our lives and stop blocking it and stop saying things like, I don't do this for the money. Of course you don't do it for the money, but you deserve to lead a good life and stop thinking that people who have money are bad or wrong or evil because you're never going to step into the person that has extra wealth. If you think that people who have extra wealth are evil, you know, like I don't want to be evil. So if I step into that version, then I'm evil and that's not true whatsoever. Or maybe it's just that you want to start Ubering or open a Rover business or babysit. Or maybe it's that you need to just clean up your budget and you keep buying $6 metallic dresses that are so ugly once you get them home. Or like you just keep overspending for whatever reason. Or maybe it's that you to say, you know, I'm going to look into an investment account and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to buy a book or join a program or I'm going to add more money into my retirement. Whatever the case may be for you, I think it's really important that we as teachers don't just get stuck in this whole like, oh, we're going to be broke forever. Because yeah, we didn't choose a profession that is known for making money. We chose a profession that's known for making a difference. And we can have both, but we have to demand it of ourselves and of others. Because if we don't, who will, right? Not like as though people are just like handing out money. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. As always, I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM. 
take a screenshot of this episode. Let me know what you thought. I'm being super vulnerable here, bringing you behind the scenes. So I hope that you really enjoy it. And I really hope that you get something from this. And I hope that we can continue this conversation around the value of our time, our money, and making a greater impact in the world by valuing ourselves first. All right, friend, I will see you next week. Until then, I hope that you can take this information to take a step forward. Impactful VI specialists are changing the way that we do things. The old way is no longer acceptable, and we get to decide how we're going to make more impact without burning ourselves out. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this podcast. I would love it if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or if you even just came and hung out with us on social media. I'm at Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can find me at Allied Independence. I'd love to hear from you in my DMs. Let me know how you like this episode and anything that you took away from it. Until next week, just remember that all you have to do is take a step forward. Bye.